When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a huge way. Now, maybe you're not sure where to begin. I can help you with that. Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative. Let me tell you something else. Running to the store has been pretty stressful of late. There's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list once you get there and having to make more than one trip. Am I right? Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient. And again, this is where Grove Collaborative comes in. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. I love it. We talk about it in my house all the time. How do you be more responsible? How do we do our part? With Grove Collaborative. So join our household and over 2 million others who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. And shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. For a limited time, when you go to grove.co slash Rome, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Once again, go to grove.co dot co slash rome to get your exclusive offer that's grove dot co slash rome how were you able to process the point that the locals were mocking a culture that originated from the passing of your son well you better be okay with it when you bring anything personal to the public you leave it open for scrutiny criticism doubt people to mock it and then we had a team burn an oar on the sideline pregame and then smash it in front of us Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 179 of the Jim Rohn Podcast. And of course, thank you very much for joining me on the Side Hustle. Great to be with you once again. And today, we are lucky to grab some bonus time with a jungle mainstay, the one and only P.J. Fleck. P.J. is the head football coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, where he was the 2019 Big Ten Coach of the Year. Before that, he was a two-time MAC Coach of the Year while leading one of college football's all-time turnarounds at Western Michigan. It's always a high-energy conversation when P.J. joins me, so I'm too pumped to waste any time at all. Let's get right to the good stuff. Episode 179 with Minnesota football coach P.J. Fleck is coming at you right now. PJ, always great to get caught up with you. First things first, how are you and yours doing as we all battle to come out of this pandemic finally? Well, we're doing elite, man. Things are getting back to the new normal, and we're excited for the future. Good. Glad to hear it. All right, so as part of that, you co-authored a book with a mutual friend of ours, John Gordon. Now, as you yourself have pointed out, PJ, most coaches wait until after they've won a national championship before they write that book. You have not done that yet, so why did you want to write this particular book, and why do it now? Yeah, why not do it now? You know, I mean, that was we wrote it during the pandemic, um, pretty much in March and April when we were all kind of at home and had a lot to do and had a lot of time on our hands, too. So John approached me and we wrote a book and uh, we wanted to be able to bring hope, positivity, connectivity, uh, you know, to 
you know, a time right now where it's really tough. And Row the Boat seems fitting for that. Uh, again, this isn't just a football book. This is a culture book that can be used in, in, in classrooms. It can be used in teams. It can be used in sport. It can be used in business. And, uh, you know, before everybody gets really excited about this Wall Street Journal bestseller, remember I got an 18 on the ACT, Jim, and I got a 15 on the writing part. So that's why you team up with John Gordon for something like this. But it just seemed fitting, just seemed right, uh, and seemed like a perfect time to write one. That is a perfect fit right there. That's kind of funny. <laughs> 18 on the ACT. So you know what you do, man. You pair up, you find somebody who can write, and John's as good as anybody. I think, PJ, a lot of people listening know your row the boat mantra, but not everybody listening knows where it's from what is the origin of row the boat where did that come from yeah it's simple it just means never give up uh february 9th 2011 i lost my second son to a heart condition and i was at rutgers at the time under greg shiano as an assistant coach and you know you, you put something in the memory bank and you knew that when you wanted to become a head football coach one day, one day and you did become a head football coach one day you wanted to be able to create a culture and a slogan that would be able to connect everyone whether people love football or not, they were going to love our program, love our culture of ser- serving and giving. And that's what rode the boat. That, that's how it got created. And we kind of unveiled that. Uh, the first year we were at Western Michigan, didn't go so well. We went 1-11. And everybody wanted to throw me out of the boat and, and get rid of row the boat. But that's what it's for. It's really for those hard times to keep your oar in the water and just keep rowing. Uh, very simple mantra and a lifestyle uh, that can mean so much. PJ, I want to talk to you about that first year at Western Michigan and how you turn things around, but I want to reference, I want to make sure that we cover this. Your son Colton passed away and was just a baby. Like, for instance, what types of things were going through your mind when you were told of his prognosis? How do you process something like that? Well, it's the, ner- it's the worst news any parent can ever get, uh, knowing that your child will pass away. And I found out, you know, a few months before birth that that would, would happen uh, right after birth. And we got to spend a few minutes with them. Um, but, you know, that, 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 can, that can tear a family apart. They can, it can tear you apart inside. Uh, and it was really hard to get over. I mean, uh, we thought my life was over, to be honest with you. Um, when, when you go through something like that, that's really difficult. But sometimes as head football coaches or when you're a public figure, you kind of get put on this pedestal and – you're a public figure and people don't think you've ever been through anything. You know, I've been divorced, remarried, lost a child, been one in 11, been the worst coach in America. Uh, and, and you're like everyone else. And, and that's what I wanted to make sure people knew is, yes, I'm a public figure and a head football coach. But, you know, our story can resonate with so many people out there and it can bring hope and inspiration and positivity to a lot of negative situations. Uh, you know, people that are really successful in this world really probably have a lot more negativity and a lot more failing in the world than they actually do success. And if you sit down and get to know someone and get to know their story and have empathy, then you can probably find a lot of good in that situation. So that's why we wanted to do it. Uh, that's why we wrote the book. Uh, and that's why I wrote the book was created. You know, PG, I really appreciate your response there. There, It's such a powerful statement there. I can't even begin to imagine how traumatic and how painful something like that would be. And you yourself even admitted just now that there were times where maybe you didn't want to go on. I'm curious, what got you through that period? Like when you wanted to quit, what kept you going? Why did you not give up? Well, you think about your future, you think about uh, your other children, and and you think about what you're going to be able to do. Uh, You know, sometimes we all can't choose what hand we're dealt, but we get to choose how we respond to that hand. And as you go through, and I I think Greg Schiano's program, um, you know, that I was working in, uh, he had a slogan called Keep Chopping, and there was nothing by coincidence that my son was born and passed away at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, which has the nickname Chop. And and so, again, 
I'm a very spiritual person, and if you don't believe in spirituality after that, uh, I, I don't know uh, what's ever going to make that happen. So for me, that was it was a spiritual moment for me that really gave me the strength and the courage to just keep moving and, and then create something positive out of something so devastating. And I think that's the way my life has always been, is that out of really hard times, uh, you can find something that can that can help and bring positivity to other people based on how you respond to that. So there was a lot of emotions going on, but I chose to be able to to keep my oar in the water and just keep rowing. And then one more thought about that. I mean, from what I'm hearing, were you able to turn your pain into purpose? And if so, how do you do that? Because I think there's a lot of people listening right now that are maybe not dealing with that level of pain, but certainly some pain. Well, I think it's pain, purpose, and then it turns into the platform that you have. I knew that I wanted to be a head coach one day. I knew that I was going to be a head football coach one day. Uh, and I knew I'd have a platform. And what you do with the platform basically describes who you are as a person and how much, I think, you want to influence the people around you. You know, as college football coaches, we have this platform. And we're not going to have it forever. And, again, you're going to get fired at some point. You're either going to create something so special that people expect things for, for so many years and you created the standard so high that you pretty much get yourself fired. Uh, or – you know, it's one of those things we don't get to pick our life expectancy a lot of times when it comes to our, our job. So when you think about that, you have this platform for a very short amount of time. And the wins are great. There's nothing like winning. But what we want to do is create a winning culture that can be able to connect a whole community, state, city, uh, and everyone that wants to be able to learn a little bit about it that can help their life be better. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkled donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms that your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor.gov, your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. All right, so all of this is so challenging. None of this is easy. So in terms of that platform, like you knew, you knew you'd become a head coach one day, and you certainly did that. You got your shot when you were 32 to become the head coach at Western Michigan. So then finally, it's right there. The opportunity you've worked so hard for, you get your own program, you get to instill your own culture, the row the boat culture. But as you point out, the Broncos went 1-11 that first year. At that point in time, how was the community viewing and responding to RTB? Well, I was not only 1-11, I was the worst football coach in town. I was the youngest head coach in, in the country. Uh, we really should have been 0-12. I mean, it, we got a gift in the last second uh, playing UMass. Um, but, again, I'm not sure how many people believed in it. And, and that's where, you know, you really have to be confident in what you believe in, and you have to believe in it so much. And it has to be authentic and real for it to work. Uh, and we, I just stayed the course uh, because I'm sure there was a lot of doubters out there, and I heard them all. But I wasn't here just to make everybody else feel good. I wasn't here to be able to, um, you know, take the things that, that I learned and let other people, you know, dictate those, that, that future of those. And so I just stayed true to who I was. I knew that we had a developmental program. This, this wasn't an ego program. This was a developmental program. We're going to take kids from high school and develop them all the way through academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. We were going to row the boat. We were going to have the oars stay in the water, even though the water was pretty dirty. And, and we were just going to continue to serve and give. And that's what the boat's all about, the sacrifice. 
and we were just going to continue to give to our community. We were going to give to each other. And there's three ways you can, we can all give. You can give with your time. You can give with your talent. You can give with your treasure. We all have time to give. So give that time. We all have talent, special talent that you can be able to donate. And then you all, we all have treasure, big or small, 50 cents or $10, or, you know, $100 or $1,000. We can all give. And I think that's what we spread throughout our entire football team, that we could be able to give to each other, even when people weren't believing in us. If we just stayed the course, then it would eventually turn. See, you knew this. You knew this, and it was just a matter of keeping the oar in the water. There's one thing I want to ask you that I do not understand, that I'm not sure how you make sense of this part. Losing is tough enough, but you had a belief in yourself, and you had conviction, and you had a culture. However... It's one thing when you're not winning, and it's another when people are coming for you. But, PJ, how did you, how were you able to process the point that the locals were mocking a culture that originated from the passing of your son? I don't understand that. How did you process that and get through that? Well, you better be okay with it. When you bring anything personal to the public, you leave it open for scrutiny, criticism, doubt people to mock it. I mean, we had a team burn an oar on the sideline pregame and then smash it in front of us. Uh, we have people that still mock row the boat that in, in, in our, our games right now. They score a touchdown or they'll row the boat in front of me. They know about our program. That, that's, all, that's all that matters to me. And we define failing as growth and failure as quit. There's two different things. And there's no way this program is going to quit. There's no way row the boat's going to quit. Uh, we might fail at times. We might not be perfect. We might lose games. But life's not perfect. And if we can teach our young man that failing is, is growth, and if people are focused on you where they've got to take their energy and they have to mock you, then at the end of the day, we're doing the right things because we're, we're creating change and making people look at what we're doing. Uh, and it's very difficult to be able to have that with, with Colton's name behind it. Uh, but you, you have to know that the good trumps the bad. What people don't realize are the emails, uh, the calls, the life-changing moments that happen every day in our community, around the country, that Row the Boat has touched and Row the Boat has changed their life forever. And the amount of philanthropy that it's done and how much money it's raised for the children's hospitals' families. And not only that, getting our players to be able to believe in philanthropy and start to create their own charities before they even graduate, like Casey O'Brien, uh, one of our players last year that had cancer, already has his own uh, his fund and his foundation. So it, it creates this this massive uh, movement of hope, inspiration, love, service, giving, and making your life uh, about not about just you, about other people. So, again, a lot of people might not ever understand it. They might just think it's um, a catchphrase or a slogan uh, or a rally cry. It's really not. It's a lifestyle. And it's okay if people don't want to use it. Uh, it's not for everybody. But it's so simple that if people would apply it in their life, I think they'd, they'd get a lot of good out of it. I like that. You also mentioned the good trumps the bad. This is interesting to me. You ask rhetorically, have you ever had a hard day? And then you answer it yourself by saying, I say a hard day because I don't believe in bad days anymore. Tell me about that. Like, why not? Don't we all occasionally have a bad day? Why are there no bad days? Well, I think it's all perspective, right? Uh, when you hold your child in your arms as they take their last breath, there's nothing worse than that. So when we all have perspective and that's the, that's the line, then no, nothing will ever be below that. Everything's above the line. So everything that happens to us, whether we think it's a positive or a negative, is actually a learning moment. And we can all learn from everything that happens in our life. And there's a lot of things that are outside of our control. 
But what is inside of our control is our perspective, our attitude, our energy uh, about those things that happen to us. And that's what this whole program's about. It's about creating this elite perspective of being an elite person uh, that can take anything that happens to them, process it, and find a way to learn from it. Not that I'm saying that there's, there's really bad things that are good. It's just everything that we have that might be on the negative spectrum, we look at as hard uh, because uh, bad creates this negative thinking. And we even want to take the really hard moments and, and really learn from them and be grateful that moments come into our life that really change our life. Hey, let me ask you something. Can your office chair give you a massage while you're sitting at your desk? Mine can. Can your office chair warm your back on cold mornings or cool you off on hot days? Mine can. That's because I don't have any old no-name office chair. I have an X chair, and I absolutely love it. The secret is their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back and now introducing LMAX. The secret is their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers incredible lumbar support to your lower back and now introducing LMAX. Featuring cooling, heat, and massage therapy. It is incredible. And LMAX offers four different massage modes and fast warming heat technology for therapy for your sore back. You will not believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. It is time to trade in your old, uncomfortable office chair and trade up to an X-Chair. X-Chair prices are going up on July 11th for the first time in two years, so beat the price increase. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter X, chairrome.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair and save $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com now and use code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com. All right, so you have, PJ, you have the boat, you have the oars. What about the compass? What does the compass represent in all of this? Yeah, again, the, the oar is the energy. It's the symbol of strength, right? It's the only thing that moves the boat. Uh, you get to decide whether it goes in the water or, or, or comes out of the water. Um, the boat is a sacrifice. What are we all willing to give up for something that we never had, right? We talked about the time, talent, treasure. And then the compass, I think, is the most important part because I think you are who you surround yourself with. You know, it's kind of guilty by association on the good side or the, or the wrong side. So when you think about it, if you surround yourself with really bad people and negative thinkers, you're probably going to be that way. If you surround yourself with really amazing people and really elite people uh, who really have a different way of thinking and a dynamic way of thinking, you're probably going to be that way too. You know, I always tell our players, if you want to be a lawyer, you got to get yourself around lawyers fast, right? If you want to be a teacher, get yourself around teachers fast. Whatever you want to become, get yourself around those people. And that's what I did as a coach. I mean, my dad kills bugs for a living, and my mom was a teacher's aide, and we have no coaching in the background. My dad didn't coach or anything. And so what I did was, one, get playing in the NFL opened a lot of doors for me, but then I got a chance to be around Jim Trestle, and that's why I wear a tie on the sideline. Mike Nolan cut me, and Jim Trestle hired me, and they both wore ties. And that's why I wear a tie to say thank you and show respect for the people that paved the way for where I am today because I couldn't have got there alone. So I think that, that's, that's what we, we, we do everything we can to, to make sure people understand. Get yourself around the people you want to become. Uh, PJ, you mentioned your parents. Like you've said also that you were the king of the twos. 
growing up in Illinois. What do you mean by that, the king of the twos? Yeah, it's, it's the overachiever mentality. Uh, I was always too short, T-O-O, right? Too short, too slow, too inexperienced, too young. That was the story of my life. And I think a lot of people want to prove to somebody else that they're always good enough. Well, I'll prove, that, prove to them because they didn't offer me a scholarship, or I'll prove to them I'm good enough because they didn't offer me that job. Forget proving to somebody else you're good enough. I mean, think of LeBron James and how good he is. He's still proving that he's the best player on the planet. Look at all the things he's done. He even has his own school, right? He created his own school, for God's sake. What a human being, right? But when you're starting to talk about um, proving to other people, we shouldn't do that. Well, they'll always find something that you're not good at. Prove to yourself you're exactly who you say you are. Why is Row the Boat so easy for me to talk about? Uh, because it's me. It's my life. It's what we can be able to use to be able to get us through the hard times. So the overachiever mentality is really, really important to me. Prove to yourself that you are who you say you are. Be better today than you were yesterday. And that's the only thing you should focus on. Comparisons will steal your joy and make you feel not good enough. And if you are the king of the twos, it will destroy you instead of fuel you. Hmm. How about this? Here's another line that I like from you. Quote, a man or a woman distracted is a man or a woman defeated. How so? Well, I, I think that when you look at it, uh, there's so many distractions in our life, whether it's just through our phones, through social media, everything is instant uh, information. Uh, there's so many distractions out there that we can be uh, immediately drawn to, whether it's success, whether it's people telling us how good we are, not just to our faces, but through the Internet, through social media, through Instagram, through Twitter. It's constant knowledge and constant information all the time. And on the reverse side of that, it's the negativity. When you look at bullying and you look at uh, uh, hazing and you look at the amount of suicides these days, there's so much information, it's overload. And if we can just stay, stay attentive and stay focused on what really matters, uh, and those are the people that really is your circle who can really help you become what you want to become and really just turn all that energy into giving to someone else, we can really stay the course and can get back on track and then get to where you want to go. You know, I'm going to talk to you about football really quickly before you go, but something else, like you're the guy, you're the coach, you lead from the front. Everybody else is looking to you always, especially in times of adversity and challenging times. But where does the coach go in times of adversity and challenging times when maybe the coach might need to be coached? Yeah, well, the person that coaches the coach is, is Mrs. Fleck, uh, Heather Fleck, my wife. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, and she'll tell you. She, what, what, what is her responsibility? She says, coach the coach. Uh, I like she's it. Tremendous. Um, she says to me all the time, the hard part about being the standard is you're always the standard all the time. Explain that. And she's, she's 100% right. Yeah. And so for me, she's, uh, you know, she's my light. She's my beacon. And she makes me a better person every day. And, and, and that's stinks sometimes. Sometimes I just don't want to be a better person. And she forces me to be that way because she holds me to the standard that I hold everybody else to. Uh, and I'm glad I have her in my life to be able to do that. And um, that's that's what a wife does. And I'm just so thankful for her every day. And right, that's the part of the standard. The standard is always the standard. All right, so really quickly, from a football standpoint, as challenging as last season was, the standard being the standard, you're obviously never going to be satisfied with a 3-4 and four season. But as you look back on last season, what kind of thoughts do you have? Well, first of all, we lost two games in overtime. There was a lot going on here in the Twin Cities, and we put a lot more focus into the things that were happening around us, whether it was COVID, whether it was social injustice. There were so many things in this city, in this state, that were way more important than just winning games on the field. 
there were times we had 35 players out for a game. It's not an excuse. It's just there's a lot of things that were dealt to us that we couldn't control. Uh, we won at Nebraska since, I think, for the first time since 1960-something, um, something like that. And we had 35 players out. So there were so many moments that I'll remember the rest of my life, the connectivity of our team, the here initiative that our players started to help our community and do everything we can to help end racism through education and a program our players created to the uh, COVID, to being able to overcome some of these challenges, even on the field. Uh, so there were so many things that I think took a lot of attention away from maybe just going out and winning games. I mean, we could have been one and six. We could have been five and two. Um, there was a lot of other things that could have happened, but three and four is where we landed. But I thought we became a better football team, a closer team than we've ever been. And I think that's going to help us springboard into 2021. This is a metaphor for your business's journey. Sometimes it feels like you're going 100 miles an hour, barely keeping up. But to cruise through challenges, you need someone who's right there with you. That's what Dell Technologies advisors do. They have the tech advice you need to get past whatever's in front of you and get to where you want to go. For advice on solutions like XPS 13 laptops powered by Intel Evo platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. You know, I was going to ask you about that Nebraska game because you caught, you said it right here, but I've heard you talk about that 24-17 win over Nebraska as one of the truly memorable games of your entire coaching career. You've had some really big wins in your career, and you touched on this, but why was that particular game so important and so personal to you? Well, first of all, you know, I think I stand corrected. I think we've won twice at Nebraska since the 60s. And when you think about that, that's a huge stat. Second of all, you're down 35 players, most of them starters. You're finding out not only Tuesday, but Wednesday and Thursday, and then the day before the game, you're losing player after player after player, starter after starter after starter. And that was kind of the year of COVID. Uh, the first game, we were already on our third string punter and kicker. It was one of those things that probably would never happen again, but you had to be able to deal with. Some people were dealt uh, maybe a, a harder COVID hand than some others. Some were able to get through it unscathed. Uh, we weren't able to do that. There's a city of three and a half million people here, not just some small college campus where you can pre protect everyone. It's, it's a major city in the United States. And, uh, and so it, it, it affected us a little bit more than maybe some others. Um, but the reason why it was so special is because of that, because we were, we were playing guys that hadn't played before, hadn't started in the Big Ten before, and went to Nebraska did something really special. It was an emotional year as it is, but to watch our players come together and maybe not being the most skillful team on that field, but they found a way to be the most talented and the most connected team on that field. For those three and a half hours, they were, and they found a way to win the football game. So when you see all of that, you take that all together, you've got a ton of experience, you've got 20, 20 returning starters. I know you're chasing excellence, but specifically, what are your goals for this year's squad? Well, I'm, I'm not one to ever put a number on anything. Uh, we want to be successful, and the way we feel like we're going to be able to do that is TGIF. I don't know if you remember, but when I was a kid, they had TGIF on Fridays. Thank God it's Friday. And it was Family Matters, it was Full House. We want to be those four things. First of all, we got to be together. In a year that really separated everybody in the United States, everybody in the world that told us we couldn't be together, we got to be together. And we got to be the most connected football team we've ever been. Second, we got to be grateful. Got to be grateful for everything that we have. We got to be grateful for the practices we have, grateful for the conditioning sessions, grateful for our weight room, grateful for training camp. 
because it was all taken away from us last year. And there's so much to be grateful for. We've got to create an identity. This team is going to be different than the teams we've had in the past. Right? We've got a lot more returning starters than we've ever had. We have to create our identity, and we've got to create that identity early. And the last part is the F, and we've got to focus. We've got to focus on each other. We have to have empathy for each other, focus on each other's needs, focus on what the team needs, not what you want to give the team. Focus on what's needed, not what you want. And I guarantee we're going to be okay if we do those things. But we have to do those things. All right, so I'm hearing this message, and so I don't want you to think that I'm not hearing the response. I'm hearing the message. I get the message. And then if I just were to move apart from that for one minute and make it about you, what's it feel like to be a best-selling author now? <laughs> Makes you feel like anybody should be able to write a book these days. If I can write a book, anybody can write a book. Um, it, it really is It's very humbling. Um, and i got to give a lot of credit to John Gordon, and thank you for everybody who's supporting the um, Wall Street Journal bestseller and it's kind of surreal. It's only been out two weeks, and uh, it's already on the Wall Street Journal bestselling list, and um, we're very proud of that. But when you team up with somebody like John Gordon, um, that's what you expect. I mean, he's such an amazing person, amazing leader, amazing husband and father and author. Uh, he's done so much in his life. We became really close friends. And I uh, just appreciate everybody who's supporting the book because the, the book benefits Masonic Children's Hospital at the University of Minnesota, and I don't think a lot of people know that. When they do buy the book, they're benefiting the children at the Children's Hospital. And, and that's the reason why we wrote the book in the, in the first place. And so anytime anybody's you know, uh, buying that Row the Boat book, uh, you're helping the kids in the hospital. So uh, I speak on their behalf when I say thank you from them and their families. I was going to ask you that. I want to make sure the folks knew exactly where the proceeds were going. And then finally, you know, I had dinner with John a few weeks back. Man, what a great guy and great, great. He married very well. We had a really good time. When did you and he first come together? Uh, this is years ago. Back back at Western Michigan uh, was the first time we actually got in contact with each other. And it's one of those relationships that kind of, you know, there's a little amber over here, a little amber over here. Next thing you know, there's a bonfire. Uh, and I think that's uh, what our relationship was like. And I've used him for a lot of different resources and a lot of different moments in my life, both professionally and individually. Uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful person in my life and uh, does a lot for our football team as well. I think that's great. PJ, great to get caught up with you. Congratulations on the book itself, Row the Boat, More Than a Mantra. It is a lifestyle. It's a best-selling book, and it's always good to get caught up with you, PJ, especially in long form like this. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, we really appreciate the time, Jim. Always love being on the show. Row the Boat, Sky Mile, Go Gophers. Are you craving some great protein after a good workout? Of course you are. Except this time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Well, it's awesome. And because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And on top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can, in fact, taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, hot and spicy, if you need a little extra zing. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for a bag of Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef?
Enormous thanks to P.J. Fleck. He brings the energy and the passion every single time, and today was no exception. You know you'd run through a wall for that guy. Now, if you've got your blood flowing, be sure to subscribe while we have plenty more conversations like that one moving forward, such as Ep 180 with Hockey Hall of Famer Luke Robitaille, which is going to drop next week. Until then, let me hit you with some voicemails. First new message. Hey, Jim, it's Alex in Wisconsin. Just wanted to tip the cap briefly here to John Lom for keeping it together this weekend at Torrey Pines. I thought he was toast on the par three third when he cranked it long and left, but sacking up on 17 and 18 with those crucial putts. War Brooks Kepka and Bryson Duchambeau in the octagon with non-golf-related equalizers, and War Benny and Wisco or Rick and Buffalo winning the smack-off. Steer clear of the Dairy Queens up here, Jim. Later. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. I'm going to call my shot for the smack off right now. We're going to have a top three consisting of I. Frady, JT the Brick, and the Cabellan Asian in no particular order. We're going to see Brad and Corona struggle to finish in the top ten, much like he did a few years ago. And I'll tell you one thing, man. I, I think we're going to see the return of a couple legends. One's going to go really well, and one's not going to go so well. We're going to see John from Seatown return, calling from a pharmacy, and getting run, but we're going to see the return of Oren in Denver, and he's going to place in the top 10. I also think we're going to see a cameo from Chad in Portland next Friday. It's going to be great to see some of these legends come back. The jungle is built on the old school, and I'll tell you one thing, man. I, I hope we can get more old schoolers to return. I'd love to see Doc Mike Catola return. Romy, thanks for the vine, man. Can't wait for the 25th. It's halfway to Christmas, and the smack-off is kind of like Sports Talk Radio's Christmas, but in a lot different way. Message saved. Next message. It's Genevieve. I really hate that you hate Disneyland. I thought, I mean, I don't, didn't you ever dig it, like, maybe as a kid or something? That's just, I don't know. I'm one of those weirdos that you talk about that goes to Disneyland by themselves and all that. Anyways. That's all I had to say. Peace. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne. Here's to you, Canada. Oh, Canada. Your smack is so damn weak. Each and every year, your smack off odds are bleak. There is Ty and Matt. They've never bounced back since being photoed on Bradley's crack. They are in a slump because they're two pump chumps. Oh, Canada, tell us how our ass tastes. Message deleted. Next message. Jimmy Jam. Hey, man, I can't wait till next Wednesday, so I got beef, man. And my beef is with dude who has more money than God, Jeff Bezos. Hey, Bezos, you got enough money. How about you train your drivers who are literally like orangutan driving? I mean, tell them to mix in a damn parking spot. I can't tell you how many times I'm driving around and they have like four open spots, yet they choose to just throw their hazard lights on and park in the middle of the street. Get somebody to train these idiots how to drive. Message deleted. You have no more messages.